0: G'day everyone, thanks for tuning in to Hammer at Home with yours truly, Baz Dubois. Hey, I want to say first up, big thanks to Cheryl Baldwin. She sent me an email via network 10comau Cheryl listened to my chat with Amanda Keller and says, Great interview. Love, Amanda. Can't believe she's 57. I would never have guessed that. How old do you think I am, Cheryl? Anyway, if you want to get in touch, maybe guess my birthday or leave a comment, you can do that at Hammer at home at network10.com.au. Okay, let's get into this week's podcast. Now, we live in a world where there's lots of things competing for our attention. You've got social media, mobile phones, emails. It's easy to be distracted every second of the day. In the last few years, there's been a real movement towards slowing down. I'm talking about meditation and mindfulness. It's something that has helped me a lot in my life, and I truly believe everyone should have a go at it. Now, there's a movie that is all about this topic. It's called The Portal. It's a documentary that asks the question, what would happen if everyone on the planet practiced meditation and mindfulness? With me now are the people behind that film, Jackie Pfeiffer and Tom Cronin. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Thank you. I have to preface the fact that I saw the film last night and I'm still thinking about it. And I think I'm going to be thinking about it for a long, long time to come. Tom, can I ask you, what got you into stillness and mindfulness and and meditation?
2: Really, it came out of a, a crisis period in my life, which was inspired by, you know, the need to change and that's what crisis tends to do is be a catalyst for change and that certainly was the case in my life and the the chaos that was i was experiencing was a lot of anxiety it was a lot of panic attacks depression addictions and that was really my life was on a trajectory that wasn't very sustainable
0: what what's i mean what did your life look like? What were you doing at the time?
2: I was a broker in finance, oh. and I was—it was a very fast-paced, hectic lifestyle. You know, you're on a trading room floor, very much like the Wolf of Wall Street, what they portrayed in the film—a massive, open trading room floor of people yelling and screaming. Uh, you know, split-second decisions, trading hundreds of millions of dollars of uh, bonds and swaps on a daily basis and uh you know with that was also a lot of activities you know a lot of drugs and drinking and partying and you know late nights this was late 80s early 90s HR departments didn't exist then and mm. there was kind of no rules so it was pretty out of control and um, that led to a lot of symptoms showing up in my body a stress response that was showing up in my body which were those symptoms that I was talking about there with anxiety and panic
0: and depression. As you're talking I'm remembering my time in the 80s it's easy to forget that time isn't it but I think I was 36, uh, same. I was probably sleeping two to three, four hours max a night. I was working, turning over millions of dollars. I was uh, backing that up with plenty of party time, lots of drinking. And I had a stroke at 36. Mm-hmm. I mean, woke up one morning, one side of my whole face had dropped. Uh, my life had it, so I didn't even realise. I, I remember walking into the cafe and people looking at me strangely. I had my first latte of the morning, and as I as I tipped it into my mouth... Uh, there was a funny sensation, because half my tongue was actually numb, and it just poured down the side of my face. That was Bell's Palsy was a result of the stroke, and, uh, and it took me, you know, the doctor said to me, there's no real drug for this, you just need to rest. You know, I, t- I took that cue for about a year. It took about eighteen months for the scar of the Bell palsy to go, Bell's palsy to go away. I mean, you can break an arm and you can put it in a cast for a while and fix it, but if you if you break that sort of that mental uh, that mental side of your body or the um, the neuro side of your body, it's going to take a lot longer. And and the, generally, the best way to fix it is with rest.
2: Yeah, rest is a powerful device. And you know, one of the things that was very powerful in my transformation was the rest. That I got through the meditation was so deep and so powerful much much deeper than sleep and that's where all the healing basically came about and we see this time and time again in so many different ways that meditation and what meditation does in the physiology and in the mind and the healing process
0: that happens during that process um, is very very powerful. Now I know Tom you've been in this stillness mindset for a while Jackie what got you involved?
1: I um I guess sort of had a bit of a life of unintentionally adopting mindfulness kind of practices without necessarily having the language or the framework to put around it until more recent times. But if I reflect back there, you know, there have been times in my past where I've used those kind of techniques, you know, to to deal with kind of health sort of stuff. And I had a time in my 20s where I was in a uh, kind of pretty bad Physical shape, which I realized, and I realized that it was to do with kind of you know drama cycles that I was running in my head, and I, and that they were manifesting physically, and, like an
0: anxiety sort of thing. Um,
1: no, I think just catastrophizing stuff to do with relationships mm. and um, making making more of things than I needed to, and and I probably found at that time that my place of holding tension was like in my you know, stomach area or intestines or what have you. And so kind of had it that I got became immobilized and it's like, okay, right. I I can't even leave the house at the moment. I need to sort this out. Mm. And so I just sort of locked myself away and figured out, okay, right. I'm so tense in this area. That's where it is. What can I do to calm this down? And every time I was having some sort of, you know, dramatic kind of thought or, you know, escalation of anything, I just like just let it go, just relax, Jackie, just relax, just relax physically, just relax, you know, and just really talked myself through that process but I didn't realise at the time that's what I was doing but it was extraordinarily effective and really knocked that mental process on the head and knocked that physical response on the head
0: too. It's funny. I mean, when we talk about the things that uh, that we see as going wrong in our life, uh, talking to them about, about it now, like you said, you're in the stock market uh, floor, trading room floor, Jackie. You were going through a different types of relationship. These are everyday problems. Mm-hmm. We all go through that stuff, but it's interesting. It never fixes itself until you find some peace within yourself, does it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, the stress response is the variable, the situations will just keep coming at us, you know, yeah. the, the constant change and challenges of life. And the variable here is how we respond. And that's going to be based upon our state of awareness or consciousness that goes into the experience and also the sensitivity and the state of the physiology in the nervous system. Uh, so for me, my stress response for the first 10 years of my career was quite extreme. Uh, my mind was, and, and body and my nervous system was very frayed and very... Um, I guess, not in a very great state. Mm. But for the next 16 years of that career, I didn't have the same stress response. So the situation was the same. I was still working on a trading room floor. And this is what we see in the film, is that these characters, their stress responses were quite extreme and then they learned to meditate and their stress responses weren't as extreme as a result of having a much more Stabilised um,
0: mind and body uh, Tom's talking about at the moment is the, is the movie or the documentary The Portal And uh, we, we sort of follow uh, Well we listen to the lives of six people uh, Talk me through that and, and, and our listeners can understand One guy, Buddha Was a, a guy who'd uh, Part of the war, war regime in America And he'd, he'd gone off to Afghanistan There was someone else at war For the, uh, for the, for the UN or something like that Talk us through the the case studies and and how meditation helped those people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I won't go through them all individually because there's six of them. Um, But, you know, just a couple you touched on there. One was a United Nations human rights lawyer working in very difficult, war-torn sort of situations like Syria and Afghanistan. Uh, And Buddha obviously worked in uh, in the US military and he'd been in Afghanistan and Iraq as well. So both of them had very challenging experiences, suffered from PTSD. Both of them had PTSD. Um, And that's, you know, obviously a response in the body from previous experiences. But what the meditation did and what it does do is it helps dissolve the attachment and association to those previous experiences. So you start living a lot more present moment, and in that non-charged state from past or future scenarios. And that's where really you get this
0: sort of very powerful effect happening. We talk a lot about people that have been through extreme events, like what the people in your film have been through, like what I've been through with my own personal um, problems, uh, and meditation has definitely helped with that. What are everyday people that have a pretty basic life? They're just Going to work, just enjoying the weekends. They don't seem to be that up. They don't seem to be that down. Do they too get a benefit from from stillness and meditation?
2: You know, if we look at contemporary life uh, as we know it today, um, you know, most of society is living in a fairly hyperstimulated, over overwhelmed state of some state. Of, uh, you know, we had a recent uh, report come out from the Gallup poll that surveyed 155,000 people in 140 different countries. And it revealed that we're getting angrier, sadder and more anxious than ever before. Mm. So we might feel like we're cruising along in relative terms to other extreme scenarios in today's society. But as a whole, we're getting more and more overwhelmed and more and more stressed. The way we live our lives, if you look at the, the sort of the path of history Um, You know, going back hundreds of thousands of years, you know, what we're doing in the last 15 compared to what we've been doing in the last, you know, many thousands of years, it's, it's off the charts now.
1: G'day, Sandra Sully here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you're looking for more to
2: listen to, head over to Short Black with me next. I talk to all kinds of amazing women who are making a difference. Good women, great chat.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the film, we, we talk about what, uh, what it would mean if 7 billion people meditated. So let's just imagine 10 years from now, we're social media addicts, but we're also meditating and using stillness as a balance. What would humanity look like?
2: That's such a great question. Well, that's where we're heading. It's, it's yeah. super exciting. It's it's very exciting because it, we're on the cusp of really a significant change where things can get dramatically worse or dramatically better. And for the things to get dramatically better, we have to bring in new levels of consciousness, new levels of awareness into the creation of what we're doing. And as Mikey Siegel says in the film, we create what we are. So... We really um, have to change what we are and the way we think to start changing what we create. Mm. And meditation is going to um, bring into the process greater levels of awareness. It it helps us free ourselves from the bondage of a repetitive nature of thinking. And that repetitive nature of thinking is very programmed nature of thinking as well. So Mm. not only is it repetitive, it's programmed. And it's programmed by our genetics, it's programmed by our peers, but it's programmed by our systems, it's programmed by our generations, which is parents and grandparents. And so what meditation does, it helps us free from that and
0: start to open up to creative new ways of thinking. It's interesting, isn't it? There's so much to think about when we're talking about this stuff. What I was going to say was, will it matter if everybody doesn't get on board? and, And if it and how can we get everybody to get on board? But as you were answering that last question, you touched on the fact that it goes through generations. And I know, I personally know, and I want everybody to know this, my beautiful seven-year-olds, Bennett and Arabella, everybody that knows this podcast knows about those kids. Well, they believe in uh, mindfulness and meditation because they love their day. They love every one of their days. And sometimes at night they'll say, Daddy, can you help me meditate because I can't sleep and I want to start tomorrow. So we just do a really basic breath balance exercise and I get them just to listen to their breath go through their nose and feel the temperature as it goes through their nose and and I ask them, is it the same hotter or colder when it comes out? And then I ask them what what the sheets feel like on their fingers, just gently. And I'm not joking, within three minutes they're out they are out and they're happy and their mind's been released from the excitement of the day and that's what's keeping them awake, you know. So their children and their children's children will learn from that. But how do we get those non-believers as such across the line? What can we do to help them help themselves?
1: There's just that personal rub, you know. You're just like everyone's coming into contact with people who do stuff that's different to them all the time, you know. And I guess even the kind of most closed off and and cynical people probably on a deeper level, you know, even quietly to themselves are becoming curious about Mm. stuff. And so everyone's on their own journey and and comes to things in their own time. And maybe it's when they, they most need it, you know, or, or that, um, there's a bit of an escalation personally, whatever that means. And therefore like that a little bit more openness is forced from the situation and, And I guess you could take a a macro view and say that things are really, really, I didn't mean to say this in a kind of climate way, but they're kind of heating up. I I just mean that, you know, Mm. broadly. And so that tension that people are going to feel, it's just, it it will increase, you know. And so there's going, I think that there will just inevitably become like, it's just getting closer and closer the time that people will kind of be forced to embrace a bit of a different approach with things. Mm. I think that's part of it.
0: I said to you at the start of this um, that I had a stroke, a mild stroke when I was 36 years old. Sadly for me, that's over 20 years ago. And that's when I started meditation. Uh, For me, it was a type of meditation where I would just shut my eyes and imagine myself being somewhere else. Uh, is is that a style of meditation?
2: Yeah, it's a visualization meditation. So I put meditation into four categories. We've got concentration, uh, which is focusing on one single thing, like you're saying with your daughter, focusing on the breath. We've got contemplation, which is the visualization one. So you're thinking in that process. The visualization ones can be challenging for some people. It's actually been proven that some people actually can't visualize things in their mind. So if you say to someone, visualize a, a puppy dog, they can't actually see a puppy dog in their mind. Mm. Uh, There's a small portion of the population, about six to 10% can't actually visualize things. So if we take an audience for a visualization meditation, there's gonna be 10% of that audience simply won't get what you're saying, um, which leaves them in a sort of in the dark a little bit. Um, And then you've got the chanting meditations, which is where you're chanting with mantras out loud in groups or on your own. And then we've got the deeper transcending meditations which is the ones that I've been practicing and teaching predominantly, where you use a particular style of mantra or sound that takes the mind into much deeper
0: states of awareness. So what you're saying is when I first had my stroke over 20 years ago, it was only about a three-minute routine and it was a visualization sort of thing. And I used that. So I, I had my first lesson. I was drinking too much. I was working too hard. Life got unbalanced. My body said, stop. And I crashed. And visualization helped me back then. Diet helped as well and so did exercise, so did the beautiful sunshine that falls on our back as well. Years later, uh, I was very lucky, I retired when I was 45, I sailed around the world and um, so there was no real stresses in my life at all. But my cancer came back or, or I got cancer for the first time which caused a hell of a lot of stress for me. Uh, I realized because life was so good, I'd probably fallen off my uh, visualization meditation routine a little bit. So I went back to that. So we got through that. That was seven years ago. And I've been very conscious to visually meditate uh, most days when I can. And definitely if I felt a level of stress coming on because, uh, With that cancer, I was also a little bit depressed. And, and, you know, it's a management system, and I'm no different to anybody else. There's plenty of guys and girls going through the same issues that I'm going through. I had my children in 2012, and then uh, six years later, uh, which is 18 months ago, uh, the cancer came back again. Well, I was a different human then. I was actually got really, really angry, and I was... I wanted to blame someone for me being sick again. How can you now take me away from my children? This isn't fair, this isn't right, Uh, I don't deserve this, and I was really, really angry. And uh, my amazing doctors at uh, St Vincent's Hospital were ready with the protocol of drugs that were going to save me. In fact, they didn't really say save me, and that made me even angrier because I wasn't interested in in being uh, treated. I want this thing to end, I I don't want to keep getting this thing. And I was very, very lucky to meet a doctor called Dr. Judith Lacey at the Chris O'Brien Life House. So I was asked, uh, I, it was recommended to me that I would go and talk to Judith about maybe some complementary medicines. And I went into that office and it was just another doctor to me the first day. And I was really, really angry. I need to blame someone, I need to punch someone for this. Someone's gotta pay for this. You're gonna take me away from my children and, and I'm pissed, you know? And she said to me, Baz, why don't we go and meet Chris? Uh, He's our meditation expert in uh, in the hospital here. And I said, you know, I've meditated. I've done my bit there. You know, it didn't work. It's back, you know, get on the trip here. Like, let's blame someone. And I was really angry. and, And she said to me, Baz, what you're doing is you're laying in a bed there and you're dragging drama onto your body. And it's a, another dooner and another dooner and another dooner. You're right. You've got cancer again. It's an aggressive cancer, but you're also a strong man at this stage, and you've, you're a smart guy. Why don't we just try and clear out some of this uh, this bad stuff, and see then how we can really positively approach what's coming up? And uh, and I met a guy in there, Chris, and uh, he he just got me straight up. He wasn't interested in having an argument about let's blame someone. He just wanted to calm me. He just wanted me to find stillness and give my brain a break. Because if your neurosystem's not right, your physical system will never be right now that was uh it's been two years i've been practicing mindfulness and uh like like is the case when you discover a new drug or whatever you discover you say everybody go and do this go and do it now and i've introduced uh this particular person to a couple of people and i say how'd you go miracle worker right and some would say yep and some would say no okay and uh and and the fact is, I think meditation and the person you lean on for meditation—they're uh, all different as well. Uh, and I and I put it to my friends and 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 associates that it's like everything. You go to a tennis pro, he'll teach you uh, a certain way, and the other tennis pro will teach you another way. Golf lessons, but it was science that sent me back to mindfulness meditation, and and I. I can't be a bigger advocate. I know it's saving me. People ask me, how and why are you so positive, Baz? You know, everything that's gone wrong with you. And uh, and I say, because I'm just not interested in putting those dooners on me. I'm not interested in them. I'm, I'm interested in, yep, I've got cancer. Yep, everybody's saying I got five years max. They told me I had three months max seven years ago, and I, and I beat it then. So, there's no sense in in taking on that negativity or, or, or investing in that negativity, but it's very hard not to unless you can find some stillness, unless you can find some quiet time or still time or, or mindfulness just to balance yourself up.
2: Yeah, you know, it's not that the stillness or the mindfulness fixes things. <clears throat> it gives you the space to get clarity about things. Mm. And I think Uh, On two levels, one is mental space to get clarity on an intellectual level and see things in a different light and find the solutions from that field of possibility, but also gives your body a deep sense of, you know, respite from, you know, every thought translates to a physiological sort of reaction in the body. If you've got all those angry thoughts and you've got all those angry sort of energies in your body, which are obviously deteriorating the well-being of your body. So it works on a physiological and mental level. And I think that that was what really inspired me was to see how much it changed my life, how much it changed my students' lives and to really just bring that into the world and showcase that.
1: I heard a really interesting um, way of describing this recently, you know, about how we're seeing through things. So we see through our feelings to the something or other. So this guy was giving example, if like you're holding, if you've got a cup in your hand and you're kind of tapping it with a pen, there's various points of impact there. You know, you're holding the pen Um, there's everything that's going on with you internally that you're not noticing. You're focusing on the tapping of the pen onto the cup. But if you kind of like zoomed back a layer, okay, so then you're focusing on your hand holding the pen, but you're not any longer focusing on the cup you've lost the cup you've got the hand and that contact with the pen and then you come back and you might start feeling sensations in your hand and then you sort of like keep going backwards layers 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 into you know into the depths so this idea of we're seeing through a layer to another layer so through my emotional current emotional state which i'm totally not aware of through that through my hand all the sensations physical sensations in my hand to the physical sense of the thing, the holding of the pen, which is like I'm like engaged in and this tapping motion and our ability to fluidly just like move forwards and backwards through that experience allows us to just to kind of gradually over time, get better at the process of identifying all of those layers. And so then, yeah, the the awareness of them allows us to kind of interact with them, maybe make changes, reflect on, do we want to, interact that way in the world.
0: I guess if you've got the space to um, break that down to the layers and get to know the layers better, uh, you can get rid of the ones you don't like. Yeah. Well, I'm going to finish it on that thought. I mean, that's really interesting. Guys, I want to thank you for coming in. As I said, I encourage everybody to go and see the portal. Uh, It's going right around the country and um, I've enjoyed it and I've enjoyed this chat. Thanks for coming in. Thanks Thanks very much for having us. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Now there's just one last thing before I go. As you know, I've spent a lot of my life designing and building beautiful homes and I'm very much encouraged when I hear that people are having a go at that themselves. I thought I might try and give you some tips on this podcast on how to take on little jobs. So what I need from you is to send me in those problems you're having around the house or your apartment and see if i can't talk you through the tips and tricks to get those jobs done hammer at home at network10.com.au my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then tap to pay on iphone and stripe came along